For the, uh, for the past several months, we have been going through the book of 1 Peter together, and we are almost to the end of the book. But here's the thing. The next passage that is coming up in 1 Peter has to do with the devil and how much he hates you and how he wants to devour you and how he wants to destroy your life and he wants to make mincemeat out of you. And somehow that just didn't have a Mother's Day ring to me. And so I thought, well, gosh, how can I do this? Maybe I'll do a message entitled, The Devil Wants to Kill You and Your Mama Can't Help You. But that didn't, that didn't work for me either. So um, I decided that I'm going to put that passage off till next week. And I'm going to go ahead and preach out of a passage that you may find to be even less appropriate for Mother's Day than that. And you're going to find that passage in your Old Testament in the book of 1 Kings. So I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 3 and meet me there in 1 Kings. And as you're turning there, it's, uh, it's in the first half of your Old Testament before you get to Psalms and Proverbs and all of that. But I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 3. And in 1 Kings, uh, one of the main characters in the book of 1 Kings is a guy named Solomon, who you guys know as the wisest king who ever was. And uh, we're sort of being introduced to Solomon's life and his um, reign, the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 3. And so I want us to pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16, where we come across this really strange story that I decided to preach on for Mother's Day. And here's what it says. Then two women who were harlots. See, that's a Mother's Day, Mother's Day message, right? <laughs> two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on it, right? Good Mother's Day thing, dead baby. This is a good Mother's Day message, right? Verse 20, so she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept, laid him in her bosom, and laid her dead son in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, for the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, No, for the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, the one says, this is my son who is living and your son is dead, uh, the dead one. And the other says, no, for your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. The king said, get me a sword. See, this is getting more Mother's Day, right? We got a sword now. Get me a sword. So they brought a sword to the king and the king said, divide the child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. So now we're hacking up babies. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> and the woman whose child was the living one spoke for the king, uh, spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, "Oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him." But the other said, "He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him." 
Then the king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Okay, so I grant you that this is not your everyday Mother's Day passage. But I'm a professional. So give me a chance... And let's see if we can't find some very important uh, lessons here that have to do with motherhood and what it means to be a mother and maybe learn some truths about God in the meantime. So I'm, uh, this is going to be a really easy sermon. I'm going to just give you three points, and I'm going to tell you when they're coming. The first one is this. The first Mother's Day point from this story is this. There is no such thing as a perfect mother. Some of you mothers say amen to that. Yeah, there's no such thing as a perfect mother. Some moms come to church on Mother's Day ready to feel guilty, ready to, to think about all of their mistakes and hear about great mothers and what it is to be a great mother and to realize they're not living up to it and be reminded of all the ways they fell short and fall short as a mom. And for some of you, Mother's Day is just a kind of a cruel annual reminder of how your own mother has failed you in one way or another. Maybe you don't have a great relationship with your mother. Maybe you got some scar tissue from your relationship with your mother. Um, but, but before any of us get too quick to judge our own mothers, and before any of us get too quick to judge ourselves, um, let me just remind you, and we are all flawed human beings. We all have some failures. We all have some weaknesses. We all have some shameful things in our lives. But none of that disqualifies you from being the recipient of the grace and the love of God. In fact, the whole idea of the grace of God is based on the fact that we are flawed individuals. Right? God looks down upon you today. He sees you. He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what happened in your week that nobody else knows anything about. He knows about the guilt that you're carrying. He knows about the abuse that you have faced. He knows about the struggles that you're having right now. He knows about all of that, and that is why he pours out grace. We have a God who is drawn to broken people. He loves broken people. And here on Mother's Day, we have an example of motherhood from two women who are prostitutes. And they're both pregnant, presumably as a result of their lifestyle as prostitutes. And because of the lives of these women that they were leading, their children were going to suffer consequences in their lives. So you say, well, how does that how does a woman find herself in this position where her life has gone off the rails this far? A series of bad decisions? The result of abuse by other people? Human trafficking? One thing's for sure. No young girl ever dreams of the day when she will grow up and be living that life. And yet, that's where they find themselves. No mother is perfect. Some of you have known me for a long time. Maybe uh, you've heard me talk about my own mother who is with the Lord now, but um, 
I was just laughing. It's great to be able to laugh at this stuff now, but I was laughing with somebody earlier about the fact that when my mother was pregnant with me, she was consuming about a quart of vodka and three packs of cigarettes a day throughout the entire pregnancy. <laughs> Go ahead, take your shots. Go ahead. So when you look at me and go, what a mess that guy is, I'm actually better than I ought to be. So just so you know. And guys, because my mom was an alcoholic and because I was raised in that context and because I sort of lived with that and dealt with that, I, I literally, my mom be, became a serious alcoholic about two years before I was born. So I literally never knew her except as a drunk. And she was drunk every single day of my life. She passed out every night. That, that's, that was my life. That's what I grew up with. That's what I knew. Um, and it, it led to some stuff that my siblings and I can laugh about now. We had some funky dinners at my house. We had some nights when mom would sort of stumble into the kitchen, open the refrigerator, look at what's in there. She'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, tuna casserole, uh, Hershey's syrup, and uh, mashed potatoes. Let's make a casserole. And that's what she would do, and then that's what we would eat. And thankfully, she didn't usually stay awake the whole dinner, and we didn't have to finish it. But that was kind of what we did. Um, but you know what? We always had a meal. We always knew she loved us. That woman lived at the baseball field. She had three sons who were very competitive athletes, and at one time, all three of us were playing very competitively in baseball, and it was 8 to 12 games a week, and she didn't miss one. She was there every time. And, and, and I know some of you moms and dads that have little ones right now, and it's nuts just to have a kid in Little League and another one in dance and another one that's got piano lessons, and you're like, how do we get them all there? And, and my mom probably shouldn't have always been driving, but she got to the ball field, and, and we knew that she would be there. And she has been gone a long time now. And I miss her terribly, especially on Mother's Day. After she got sober when I was 18 years old, I finally got to know the wonderful woman that she was. But even then, she was far from perfect. You know why? Because there are no perfect moms. Some of us need to forgive our moms this Mother's Day. Some of you moms need to forgive yourselves this Mother's Day. I have never known anyone to be more critical of mothers than the mothers themselves. And being a mom might just be the hardest job on earth. And every mom feels like she's failing sometimes. My older brother, uh, Mike, when he was about, I, I guess, maybe around seven, uh, he was elected by his class to be their school representative on the TV show Kids Say the Darndest Things. Some of you are old, remember that. They've done remakes of it. This was the original Art Link Letter, 1960s 
kids say the darndest things. There's just one problem. He had been on restriction for three months, not allowed to leave the house. You say, why would you put a kid that's seven years old on restriction for three months? Well, here's the deal. There was a lawn that it was his job to mow. It was about five feet long and four feet wide, and that was it. And he had to mow it once a week, and he didn't. And then the next week came, and he didn't. Pretty soon, the grass and the weeds are getting higher and higher, and the neighbors are starting to complain. And my parents are saying to him, you got to mow that lawn, and until you mow that lawn, you cannot leave the house. He did not mow the lawn for three months. It became... It became a battle royale between him and my parents, and he was sure he was going to win. But then he was chosen to go on the Art Linkletter show, and he didn't want to miss that. And so when his classmates chose him to go on the show, uh, he said, I can't go because I'm on restriction. And they said, why are you on restriction? And he told them about the lawn. And his classmates came to the house and mowed the lawn for him so that he could go on the show. He gets on the show and he's being interviewed on television and Art Linkletter says to him something along the lines of, "Um, have you ever been in trouble and what do your parents do when you get in trouble? And he looks at the camera and says, my parents put me on restriction for three months and my mom is mortified. (laughs) She's like, oh my gosh, every parent in the world now thinks I am an abusive parent because of this. He doesn't tell any context of the story. He just tells them, I've been on restriction for three months. Guys, uh, I don't envy the burden that moms carry. There, there's, there's pressure from within. There's pressure from without. There's expectations that are placed on you by your children, by your spouse, by your peers, by your mother-in-law. There's expectations, and nobody feels like they're living up to those expectations. No mother is perfect. But the love of of a mother is an incredible gift from God. These two mothers in this story are a complete mess. Why would the king even listen to their problem? Because in this story, King Solomon rules over the people of God. He is a representative of God to the people. And guess what? God cares about broken people. Whether you're a mom, a dad, a kid, or whatever, we all need to know one thing. We are all broken people. All of us. And we all desperately need the grace of God. Jesus did not come to make us feel guilty. We are already guilty. Jesus came to take away our shame, to set us free from the sentence of our guilt. Our feelings of guilt and inadequacy are meant to draw us to the only one who can do anything about our shame. So maybe for you, this Mother's Day needs to be primarily about forgiveness. You are not a perfect mom. You did not have a perfect mom, but you do have access to a perfect God, and he loves you despite your unworthiness. So Mother's Day lesson number one from this uh, story, there is no such thing as a perfect mother. And lesson number two is this, God is able to handle the problems that mothers face. I just want you moms out there especially to hear that. 
God is able to handle the problems that you face. Solomon displayed incredible wisdom in the way he dealt with this in this story. Where did he get that wisdom? From God. It was a gift, right? God gave it to him. And why did God give him such supernatural wisdom? Because it was his responsibility to care for the people that God loved the most. God wanted to care for those people. God sees your struggles. He sees my failures. He knows your pain. He understands the scars and the weights that you are carrying. He knows about the frustration of the habits that you keep saying you're going to break and keep stepping in the same holes again and again. He knows what it's like when you look in the mirror and you are ashamed of who you are on the inside because of whatever it is that's going on in your life that maybe nobody else knows about. God knows, and it hasn't changed his love for you one bit. You know, God can never love you more than he loves you right now. And he will never love you less than he loves you right now. God's love cannot be earned. It cannot be lost. It cannot be taken away. God cares for what concerns you. I want you to, to just flip over with me in your Bible to the, God, uh, to the book of Psalms. And in Psalms, it's just, uh, I don't know, 100 pages to your right. In Psalms, uh, I want you to go to Psalm 138. And we're just going to look briefly at this uh, little verse that means so much to me. Psalm 138, beginning in verse 7. Psalm 138, 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. This is David's prayer. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is his prayer. As his life is falling apart, as things are coming off the rails, David cries out to God and reminds his own heart. We sang a song today where we were, we were speaking to our own soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Reminding ourselves to bless the Lord. David is reminding himself here about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the care of God. And he says, even though I'm in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me guys I want you to understand something today and this isn't just for moms this is for every one of us God knows what concerns you today he understands what concerns you today and he has the power to do something about what concerns you today and so we run around like crazy people trying to fix what's broken in us and God says if you'll just come to me it says he reaches out his right hand, invites us, draws us in, says, come to me and I will take care of what concerns you today. A couple weeks ago in First in Peter chapter 4, we saw it says that we should cast our cares upon the Lord. Why? For he cares for you. He cares for you. God cares about what concerns you. And what concerns a mother more than her children? And by the way, that doesn't change when they're grown. Your children 
Moms will not always be children, but you will always be their mom. It doesn't change. Your concern for them never ends, just like it says here that God's concern for us never ends. And God is willing and able to take care of what concerns you. Imagine how these two mothers in 1 Kings chapter 3 felt. First of all, they're, they're dealing with the shame and the, and the brokenness that they already face because they are prostitutes in a culture in which they are outcasts, they have extremely limited options, and their lives are being controlled by others. They are being abused. So they are broken already. Imagine what they felt. One of them had just lost her child. In this story, the woman whose child had died in sleep is the bad guy in the story. And we just sort of read her story and forget that her baby just died. Wow! Can you think of anything that would be more devastating, more hurtful, more overwhelming than to lose a child? Some of you know from experience what this is like, and my heart breaks for you. She just lost her baby, and she panicked, and she tried to come up with a scam, and she tried to figure out a way to still be a mother. But she just lost her child. And now the other woman, whose child is still alive, is about to lose her child because he's being stolen from her. <laughs> and then they bring out the sword. Imagine what these ladies are feeling. I can't imagine a greater fear or grief than that. But God cares for you. He cares for you when you're grieving. He cares for you when you're questioning. He, he cares for you when you're concerned. He cares for you when nothing that is happening makes any sense to you. He cares for you when your own brokenness leads to more brokenness. He cares for you when your brokenness is caused by the abuse of somebody else. He cares for you when your brokenness is caused by your own stupid, sinful choices. He cares for you. Nothing will change it. Nothing can change that. This is who he is. God cares for you. Mothers face heartache and pain that a non-mother could never understand. Just, just sitting up late and the baby won't nurse. And you just keep screaming. And the mom says, this has got to be my fault. Something wrong with me. He's seven. He comes home from school with a black eye and no lunch money. He's being bullied. And the mom can't do anything about it. Mom looks in the mirror and says, I'm failing my kids. And she's hurting because of it. She's got a teenager who's got a broken heart because some dumb boy treated her bad. She's got adult children who are not walking with Jesus and they're suffering the consequences of that in their own lives and they're not listening. There are so many cares that a mother has. And God sees each one of those cares and he cares more than you do. And here's the great news. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 3 that he is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or even think. That's the God we serve. 
Being a great mom is too hard of a job. Nobody can do it on their own. But God is willing to be, and able to take care of your children. So I just want to encourage your mom, you moms with that. You can't protect your children all the time. You can't keep them from facing hardships and, and making mistakes. But the one thing you can do regularly is to lift them up to the one who can do something about it. There is nothing more powerful than a praying mom. In the late 17th, early 18th century, there was a, a mother living in England by the name of Susanna. She had her hands full because she had 19 kids. <laughs> Let that sink in. 19 kids and no video games. 19 kids and uh, no television, no iPads, none of that. 19 kids. And Susanna faced all the doubts and the fears and insecurities that mothers face. But it was multiplied by 19. And her hands were full, as you can imagine. And she knew it was too much for her to handle on her own. So she committed with 19 children and all the work that a household that 19 children involves, she committed that she would pray one full hour a day for her children. And she did it for her whole life. What was the result of that prayer? John Wesley. Her son John, one of the greatest and most prolific preachers the world has ever known, still considered to be the person who preached face-to-face -to, -face to more people than anyone in the history of the world. He literally is in the Guinness Book of World Records for having ridden the most miles on horseback because he just got on a horse and went from village to village and preached outdoors every day, seven or eight times a day, sharing the love of Jesus with people. And the uh, great awakening that took place in England and the United States was centered around that preaching. Countless millions of people came to know Christ through the ministry of John Wesley. Oh, and he had a traveling companion. It was his brother, Charles. Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley, arguably the greatest hymn writer the world has ever known. He wrote over 6,000 hymns. So if his, if his brother was preparing a sermon, he was writing a song. And they would go from camp to camp and do these outdoor camp meetings, and he would teach them new songs, and the, and the body of Christ became singers under the ministry of Charles Wesley. 6,000 hymns, like maybe you've heard of one called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, Jesus, lover of my soul, and can it be? All of these hymns that Charles Wesley wrote that we are still singing today because of a praying mother, Susanna, who was at the end of her rope, knew she had nothing more to give, so she gave her children to God, and he took care of the rest because he cares for us. Now, before we wrap up this Mother's Day message, there's one more important lesson. Lesson three. There is nothing like a mother's love except the Heavenly Father's love. I am an old man. Shut up. You don't have to... <laughs> this is the first time Randy has ever, like, nodded at anything I said. <laughs> I am an old man, and I still miss my mommy. I miss her every day, and she's been gone a long time. 
I have plenty of people who love me, but there is no love like a mother's love. Nothing quite like it. In this story, the child's real mother is obvious. She's the one who is compelled by love to do whatever it takes to protect her child. She's even willing to lose her child in order to take care of her child. There's nothing like a mother's love except the father's love. There was an elementary school teacher and she was trying to help her students learn fractions. And they were struggling and Tommy in particular was really struggling with fractions. And so she was giving him, uh, you know, stories to help him understand. And she said this, Tommy, let's say that your mother bakes a pie for the family. How many of there are there in your family? He said, there's seven. She said, let's say your mom bakes a pie for the family. What fraction of the pie does everyone get? And he quickly said, one-sixth. She said, how many people are in your family? Seven. Okay, so, so seven. Now think of that. Mom bakes a pie and Everyone gets an equal share. How much does everyone get? One-sixth. Why? Because mom would say she doesn't like pie, and she would give the rest to us. You saw that coming. Because that's what moms do. The role of a mother is by nature a sacrificial role. <laughs> I, I, I can't speak... I can't speak from firsthand experience, but it seems to me that pregnancy might be challenging. <laughs> a mother, before she ever holds her child in her arms, holds her child in her womb and gives up her body for her child. And that's the beginning of the training. That baby is born and she gives up her sleep. My eldest daughter has five kids between the ages of two and ten. Apparently, she's a fan of Susanna Wesley. <laughs> and I don't know if she's had a full night's sleep in ten years. She's either been pregnant or nursing or both and changing diapers and getting up with crying babies for 10 years. And I've never seen anybody who loves better than she loves her kids. You give up a lot. Your personal goals go away. You know, you were going to get that degree. You were going to do this thing in your career. You were going to go and travel. You were going to do all these things. But now there's a child who looks to you and depends upon you, and so you, you set those goals aside. How many times did I get new clothes as a child while my mom wore the same old stuff? It never even occurred to me that she was making those sacrifices for me. My other daughter has a four-month-old. She never has a clean piece of clothing on. Everything she has has been barfed on, peed on, or something on. And she just keeps picking up that baby. Now, see, that's a difference between moms and dads. 
Dads would say, you know what? I know he's crying, but he looks comfortable there. There's nothing like a mother's love. 175 years ago in Wales, a mother and her baby were walking in the countryside when they got caught in a blizzard. They never made it to their destination. They found her body in a snowdrift. She had stripped off all of her outer clothing and wrapped the baby and was holding the baby in her arms. When they found her dead, they found the baby alive. She used her body heat, sacrificed her life to keep her child alive. That baby's name was David Lloyd George, became the Prime Minister of England. You see, moms, you're making sacrifices today that even your kids don't realize you're making. You're being taken for granted. You're giving and giving and giving. I know your kids and probably your husband think the hamper is magic. Just throw the clothes in there, the next thing they're hanging up in the closet clean. I know that you are making sacrifices day in and day out, hour in and hour out, and most of those things you are never thanked for. So on Mother's Day, on behalf of your kids, thank you. God is using you and the power of your sacrificial love. There is no love like a mother's love except the love of your heavenly Father. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. God's love is a sacrificial love. It's that same kind of love that we see in mothers every day. Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. We're, we're, we're never more like Jesus than when we're, we're living sacrificially. God, just like mothers, proves his love for you by making whatever sacrifice is necessary to meet your needs. He too loves you no matter what. He too holds you in his heart even when you fail miserably again and again. He too will stop at nothing to pursue you, pour out his love upon you. So on this Mother's Day, whether you're somebody's mother or you're somebody's child, keep this in mind. God loves you. And he can't wait to gather you to himself the way a mother hen gathers her chicks for protection and provision. Every good mother you meet should remind you of an even better father who's in heaven. So if you're a mom, give yourself a break. Have a donut. <laughs> Grab a flower. Take a nap for crying out loud. Give yourself a break and realize that though you're not perfect, your perfect God loves you perfectly. And he's proud of you. And if you're still blessed to have your mother here on earth, you might want to take some time to give her a hug and thank her and tell her with actual words how much she means to you. And for those of us who no longer have our mother with us, then thank your Heavenly Father for giving you your mother and for loving you with the mother's love even in her absence.
Happy Mother's Day. Let's stand and pray together. Lord, it's such an incredible privilege, and like so many children with their mothers, we take your love for granted. We're used to the way you sacrifice for us, Lord. We're, we're used to the way you provide for us. We're used to the things you give to us. We're used to the fact that your love is uh, never-ending and never runs out. We become accustomed to how good you are. So we just want to take a moment, Lord, to stop and say thank you for being so good to us. And I want to pray for, for every mother in this room who, who struggles to think that she's doing enough. I pray, God, that in her inadequacies, each one of these women would look to you to fill those needs. Whether they have small children, teenage children, adult children, or children who are already in heaven, God, I ask that you would meet every mother right where she is. I pray for those ladies who would like to be mothers and have not become mothers yet. I pray for your comfort and your grace and your peace to reign in their hearts. I pray for those who have lost children. I pray for those who have lost their mothers, for whom Mother's Day is a challenge and a very difficult day. God, I just pray that in each of these instances, you would be the one who comes along, lifts up, encourages, and meets the needs wherever we're at. Remind us, God, of how great your love is and how a mother's love is just a small reflection of that. And help us be drawn to you the way a hurting child runs to his mommy when he's hurt. Father, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise. Thanks for our moms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.